Well, when I was a freshman in track, at the end of the track season, my coach, Coach McCord, came up to me and said, I will give you a varsity letter if you run cross-country in the fall. Now, I wanted a varsity letter so badly that I agreed to that. And here is the varsity letter sweater. Now, would you like me to try this on right now? No, we don't want small children to get sick, okay? So we're not going to do that right now. But when uh, fall came, I had my varsity letter, and track season started, and the very first day of cross-country, I was scared to death. Cross-country is 3.1 miles that you run out uh, on the land. I had only run one mile around a track. That's the most I'd ever run. And I remember going up to Coach McCord and telling him, Coach, I don't think I can do this. I've only ever run one mile in competition. And I remember he looked at me and he said, Well, the good thing is we're only running one mile today. And uh, you're not going to have to worry about that. And eventually we're going to build you up to where you're going to run 10 miles. And I remember when he said, you're going to run 10 miles, this sinking kind of sickness came to my stomach. And I said, there's no way I can do this to run 10 miles. I'll never be able to run 10 miles. And he said, that's right. Today, uh, you're not going to be able to run 10 miles. But uh, over time, little by little, We'll get you up to the point where you'll be able to do that. He said, today, Chris, all I want you to do is we run one mile. I just want you to think of one stride at a time. That's all we're going to focus on, one stride at a time. And over the next three years, when I would run track or cross country, and I'd be overwhelmed or I'd be anxious or I'd think there's no way that I can actually do this, he would give this pep talk regularly and say, Chris, Don't worry about the whole race right now. Just one stride at a time, one stride at a time, one stride at a time. And that was the pep talk. Have you ever received a pep talk before from somebody, maybe a coach, a friend, a parent, a spouse? Someone encourages you, builds you up, tells you that you can do something that you don't think you can do. Well, the Bible is full of pep talks from God where God regularly gives some encouragement for people to do what they think they can't do. And today, we're going to look at one of these pep talks in which uh, God comes to his people, the people of Israel, just before they enter into the promised land. Now, before we jump into the pep talk, I want to give you a little background of what has happened leading up to God's talk. Uh, What you need to know is that the people of Israel, the Israelites, have been in slavery for 400 years. Generation after generation after generation, all they knew was to be a slave. And finally, God said, that's enough. That's it. And he raised up a leader, a guy by the name of Moses, and Moses actually leads the people out of Egypt. They'd been in Egypt under slavery for 400 years. Now, you might remember how this kind of came about. Moses comes to this guy by the name of Pharaoh, who is the president of Egypt. And he tells him, if you don't listen to what I'm saying, God's going to send some bad stuff to you. 
And so he did. He sent frogs and flies and gnats and ten plagues all together that God sent to try to have him release the people of Israel, and he just wouldn't do it. And finally, it got so bad that Pharaoh was like, that's it, I'll let him go. And so he lets him go. And so these million people leave Egypt, and as they're leaving, all of a sudden, Pharaoh goes, oh my gosh, that's the labor force. Like, all these people are leaving, and we're not going to have anyone do the work. So he runs after them, and they get to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh is right behind him with all of his men, and God does this amazing miracle, and he parts the Red Sea, and they go across, and the Israelites are safe, and then once the Egyptians get in the middle, God wipes them out, and they're on the other side, and they're headed towards a promised land, and then fear gets in their way, and they get worried, and they get anxious, And pretty soon, they are wandering in a wilderness for 40 days when the promised land was so close. And in the midst of all of that, it reminds me of a picture that many people have today, and it's this. They have a saved soul, but a wasted life. They have a saved soul, but a wasted life. They're on the other side. God has delivered them from whatever they're going through in the struggle. And they have this saved soul, but they have a wasted life. I mean, they're saved, but they're not becoming more like God. They're not really accessing all that God has. They're not tapping into the power that God wants to give to them. Well, eventually, uh, after these 40 years, Moses dies and this guy named Joshua takes over. And he takes them into this promised land. But when they get there, they see these large people and and they're concerned because Scripture actually says this, that they were great and mighty nations. Uh, Where they were going to take the promised land, they were great and mighty nations and Israel was not great and it was not mighty. And this was exactly the reason why the Israelites were afraid. They're scared to go up against these greater things, these greater people, and to take them on in the battlefield. And because they felt so small, it was as if they were saying, we're too small, we're so small, we're going to fail. Any of you ever feel like that before? You felt so small, or you felt too uneducated, or you felt like you weren't wealthy enough, or you weren't good enough, or you didn't have enough, and you felt this smallness factor in your life, whatever it might be, that you thought to yourself, well, I'm just not sure I can do this because I might fail. But what God wanted them to understand is that in the midst of the fact that they might be small, that's exactly where God wanted them to be so that they would depend more upon Him than themselves. And it kind of leads us to our big idea, and this is your first fill-in, and uh, you can do it on the stream for the app, and it's this. When God is with you, you are too small to fail. When God is with you, You are too small to fail. What happens is, is that in your weakness and in God's strength, when they come together, it is such a beautiful recipe. It is such a perfect combination that you're able to do exactly what God has called you to be able 
to do. So, that's the background of these people. And they're small, and they don't think they're enough. And then let's jump into God's pep talk in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 17. Deuteronomy's in the Old Testament, uh, the first half of the Bible, and this is what God says to the Israelites. He says, You may say to yourselves, These nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? And then in verse 18, God begins his pep talk. He says, But do not be afraid of them. Remember... Well, what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. Folks, whenever you're going through something difficult, whatever your struggle might be, one of the best things you can do is look back in the past to remember the times that God was faithful to you. The times that he helped you through something. That he was with you, he was for you, and he got you through that difficult time in a tough way. And if he saw you through that time, he can see you through what you're currently facing in the moment. And then verse 21, he said this, Do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God who is among you is a great and awesome God. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. How? What's it say? How? Little by little. Little by little. Now, I'm pretty sure that the Israelites did not want to hear what God just said. That we're going to drive them out just little by little. I have a feeling that they were saying, no, God, we have a better plan. Let's take them out big by big. Like, real big time. Let's wipe them out that way in a big, gigantic way. Let's actually, God, let's squash them like a bug. Let's just take them out big time, wipe them out all at once. But God promised, no, 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 no. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to uh, be patient. Little by little, I'm going to send fear into their hearts. They'll get confused, and we'll take them little by little. And the Israelites are, no, 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 no. We don't want that. We want F-18 bombers to come in and, like, wipe them all out. Like, that's what we want, God. And yet, God was saying, hey, I got this. Trust me, don't be scared. I have enough power to do this. I have the power of the universe. And so... When you have your doubts, when we do this little by little, just remember what I did in Egypt. And when you have your doubts and you're not sure, remember what we did at the Red Sea. Because I did all of that for you. But also, I want you to know that I'm not going to let all of my power out at once. I'm going to send it to you a little by little. Now, the question becomes, why? Why would God just send his power out little by little? And this is the reason why. Because if God gave all of his power at once, you would never depend upon him daily. If God gave all of his power to you at once, you would never learn to depend upon him daily. I mean, let's say, for example, everything that you want to happen in this year, as we've been talking about the next five years, what if God gave all of that to you right now? Why would you ever pray again? 
Why would you ever depend upon Him again? Why would you do anything at all? Because you've already received it all. You wouldn't have any reason to stay with Him. But that's not the way God works. God actually works on the daily, day by day. In fact, um, have you ever kind of prayed the Lord's Prayer? There's a part of it that says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, I often think, why doesn't God just like pull up the bread truck to the back of our house and like give us bread for the entire year so we don't have to go to the store? Like just beep, beep, beep. Here you go. Here's the bread for all year long. Why is that? What is bread? Bread is what? Perishable. Doesn't last that long. You need it like that. And you know what's true about power too, folks? When God gives you power, there's power that comes in small doses. Power can be perishable It only lasts while you're depending on God. You see, folks, what we need is God every day. Every day. We've got to walk with Him. We've got to talk with Him. We've got to trust Him. We've got to believe in Him. And each day, if we tap into that power, He will give us His power just when we need it. He comes right through just when we need it. So, for the Israelites, God was like this. Guys, I'm not going to give you all of the power at once because you'll never learn to depend upon me. Instead, what I'm going to do to help you grow your faith is I'm going to give you power little by little. And as you turn to me, I'll give it to you a little by a little. Folks, victory isn't one huge thing, and then I'm undefeated. It's small things continually repeated. Let me say that again. Victory is not this one gigantic thing that's huge, and then I'm undefeated. It's these small things continually repeated. Victory is not one big thing like, Roar! The fire comes down and queens playing in the background. We are the champions, my friends. No, 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 no. It's not like that. It's just the small things daily that are continually repeated. It's like Coach McCord said, just one stride at a time, just one stride at a time, just one stride at a time. There's a great little book called Many Habits by Stephen Geis. I'd encourage any of you uh, to pick it up and to uh, read it if you want. And the whole key of his book is that our habits should be too small to fail. In fact, he says, you should make your goals stupidly small. You should make your goals stupidly small. We dream big, we have great big dreams, and we give ourselves enough time to do it, maybe five years. You have dreams that we've been talking about for five years. The church has dreams for 
five years, so we want to be a church of 500 in five years and some other dreams that we have. But the goals that are leading up to that big dream, that vision should be stupidly small. Now, you might be asking, first of all, Chris, I don't think it's right for you to say stupidly in church. Get over it. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about your goals should be stupidly small. You know, you might say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let's think about it. The beginning of the year, the number one goal that people usually have, in the United States at least, is they want to work out more. They want to get in better shape. And typically they'll say, I want to work out 30 minutes every single day. And you know what? The largest resolution that is broken is working out every single day, 30 minutes a day. Well, Stephen Geist, the author of Many Habits, had this same desire. He said that he wanted to work out to get in better shape. And he said the problem was when he would get home, he would be so tired. He's like, I got to now drive to the workout facility. And for me to have to go do that, I got to go over and put on my gym clothes and change my clothes. And in order to do that, I got to put on my shoes, my tennis shoes. And it would be a lot easier for me to just sit on my couch. Just sit here. And uh, he decided, I can't do this. But as he was going to bed one night, he said, you know what? I can do one thing. I can do one push-up. And he said he got down on the ground, he did the one push-up, and he's like, man, I feel a lot better. Now, most of us, this is what we do. We begin the first of the year and we go, I'm going to do 100 push-ups every day. So you get up the very first day and you do 50 push-ups and you're like, oh my gosh, I think I'll just take a break. I'll do 100 in an entire day. And so you do the other 50 later on, and then you wake up the next day and your arms fall off. I've done this before. I'm going to do all of this in one day. And what happens is you talk yourself out of ever doing anything again because you made it way too big. But if you said before you went to bed, you said, you know what? I'm going to do one push-up. That's it. I'm just going to do one push-up. And so you get down there and you do your one push-up and you're kind of embarrassed by the fact that you just only did one. Like, how long did that take? Two seconds? Like, two seconds isn't going to do anything for me. I mean, you know, I'm not so sure. And what happens is Newton's law kicks into place. Uh, An object at rest, what? It stays at rest. But an object that is in motion stays in motion. And if something's already in motion, it's easier to do that. And so you get down and you do one and maybe, just maybe, you go for extra credit. And you're like, man, I did one. Well, I think I could actually do two. And then maybe I'll do some wide grips while I'm down here, you know? And maybe I'll do some diamonds while I'm down here. Okay, that's enough or I'm going to pass out, okay? (laughs) Like that's it. Now, here's the point, folks. Here's the point. The way you get yourself going is by doing something small and shrinking your goals. 
So if you want to start walking, you don't say, I'm going to go do a 5K. You say, I'm going to walk to the end of the drive and I'm going to walk back. And then it's so stupidly small that you're like, well, I think I can do more than that. Instead of saying, I'm going to read 30 minutes every single night, you say, nope, I'm going to read two pages a night. And then one day, you know what happens? You get naughty. You get so naughty that you don't just read two pages, but you read three or four or five, and you're like, oh my gosh, like I did that. But by setting a goal so stupidly small, you put your life in motion and you'll actually say, you know what, I could do more than that. Again, how does God speak and talk to us little by what? Little. Let's all say this out loud together. Those of you on the stream, type it in right now. Little by little. Again, little by little. You know, this concept, folks, is all over the Bible. Jesus actually told this parable. He said this, The kingdom of heaven is like a tiny mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but becomes the largest of plants and grows into a tree where birds can come and find shelter. Something so small, so stupidly small, something too small to fail, and it actually becomes something great, something enormous. So if that's the case, folks, why don't more people do this? Because we don't see power, folks, in small things. We don't see power in small things. Uh, The prophet Zechariah says this, Do not despise the day of small things of small beginnings. Small things. Small things. What do we do? We look at one push-up and we're like, what's one push-up going to do? One push-up's not going to do anything at all. Or we look at our credit card bill and we look at how much we owe and we're like, why would I do the monthly payment? That makes no sense at all. I'll just wait and I'll do something later. And what happens is the later gets us so much in trouble because we despise doing the small little things. But... If we're persistent, if we said, you know what, I am going to do the small things. I'm going to make them stupidly small, but I'm going to do them consistently over and over again. Eventually, what happens is something big transpires. Job put it this way. He said these words, though you started with little, you will end with, what's the last word? Last word, much. Though you started with little, you will end with much. Just one stride at a time, one stride at a time, one stride at a time. Now, uh, let me share with you some practical steps that you can use to help you to be too small to fail. Here's the first one. Spell out your plan specifically. Spell out your plan specifically. We've been thinking about and talking about five-year kind of plans uh, that we want to do, and both in the church and in your own life, what is your dream? Where do you want to be five years from now? But whatever your goals are, they have to be stupidly small, and you have to be able to be specific about those if you're going to make it happen. There has to be a concrete plan. 
In other words, what you don't want to have is fuzzy language when you write this down, whatever that goal is. You want to paint it with bright lights. So, what is an example of fuzzy lines? Fuzzy lines are something like this. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to do it now. What? What do you mean you're going to eat better? Like, compared to who? Compared to what? How will you know if you ever get there? They're just fuzzy lines. Because what happens is we tend to rationalize. Jimmy Fallon, who's the uh, popular late night talk show host, he talked about eating well, but then having one cheat day. And he said, I only have one cheat day a week, but I've divided my cheat day hours, all 24 of them, all week long. So I give myself three hours each day to cheat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You see how you could take something and you rationalize it enough to where it's totally fuzzy and it's not good because you have to spell it out. It needs to be specific. Several years ago, I was drinking three to five uh, cans of pop every single day. Just a lot of pop. And I thought to myself, you know what? I need to change this. It was at the beginning of the year. And so this was my goal. I'm going to drink less pop. Nothing changed. Nothing changed at all. I went a whole nother year just drinking whenever I wanted. And the next year came and I got onto this specific idea. And I said, what I'm going to do is I get one can of pop a day, a 12-ounce can. That's what I get. I can drink it whenever I want, but I get one can of pop. And it changed the way I do it. And I live that way now. Now, for some of you, maybe it's chips. Some of you, if you look at your hands later on, they're going to be orange from Doritos. Like, you just can't help it. You just love chips. Now, your goal could be this. You know what? My goal is I'm going to eat less chips. That's a fuzzy goal. A better goal is being able to say, I'm going to take one handful of chips and that's all I get. Whatever my one handful is. Don't say, I got a shack handful, you know, and and put it on there. Just one handful of chips. Some of you might say, uh, you know what, I'm going to drink less this year. And uh, you have to think to yourself, like, drink less alcohol, you're going to drink less alcohol. Yes. Compared to who? Because there's always someone drunker than you, right? Like, you can say, well, I'm going to drink less than him. You know, he just drank six, so I'm going to drink five. No, 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 no. You don't just have a fuzzy goal. You have a very clear goal that, hey, I'm going to have one beer a day. That's it. One beer, that's it. That's all I'm going to do. Maybe for others of you, what your goal needs to be is something with God. Like, I want to grow closer to God. How are you going to do that? Well, sometimes people say, I'm going to read the entire Bible in a year. No, you're not. Five verses a day. I'm going to start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and Jesus' teaching, and I'm going to read five verses, but I'm going to do it every day. Or prayer. I'm going to pray five minutes every single day. For some of you, maybe it's baptism. You've never been baptized before. Why not? This is the year I'm going to get baptized. And next week, I'm going to be teaching the class on baptism. And you could be a part of that. If you've never been baptized, this could be your day. Lunch is provided. Child care is provided. You can do that on the back of the Connect card. It just says, I'm interested in baptism. You check that. Come to the class. Or if you're on uh, the JAR app, you go down. I'm interested in baptism. You can do that. Use bright lines and don't make them fuzzy. Be very clear 
on what you're asking for. And when you do that, you reach your goals. Here's the second step so that you can be too small to fail is this. Track it diligently. You have to keep score. You track it diligently. Now, tracking your goal is important. But if you don't track your goals of what you're trying to do, it's kind of like bowling with a sheet in front of the pins. Now imagine this. You get up to bowl, you have your bowling ball, you're getting ready to bowl, and in front of the pins are a sheet, and you roll the ball down, and it hits, but you never know how many pins you actually put down. Well, if you did this for a whole game, 10 frames of it, eventually you're going to lose interest. Why? Because keeping score is the fun of bowling, right? Keeping score actually makes it fun. A few years ago, I wanted to journal more of what my relationship was like with God. I just hadn't been doing it. So my goal was I wanted to do five days a week. And so uh, the way I would do it, I would write it down and I would just put down. I did Monday, I did Tuesday, and I would keep track of what that was. And later in the week, I actually had a friend that would call me and say, hey, out of the seven days, how many did you do? Well, this week, not so good. I only did three. Or, hey, this week I hit five. Or, man, we went on vacation and I did one. You know, whatever it was, but I just kept doing it over time. And over time, I've been able to actually journal that amount of time because I had something that I was keeping score of, something I was keeping track of. If your goal is you want to eat better, then track what you eat. If you want to exercise, track how many times that you actually go and do that. If you want to get out of debt, track when you do that. When you're reading your Bible, track how many days you do that. Because when you do that, it's in front of you and tracking it helps you keep score and you stay interested longer in your goal. It's absolutely life-changing, folks, when you have something in front of you and you keep track of the small incremental steps because then you can see exactly where you're going. Okay, one last thing, and it's this. You've got to guard it aggressively. Whatever your goal is, you've got to guard it aggressively. Keep doing that small thing. Today, one push-up. Today, it's going to be two pages that I'm actually going to read. And then you do it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Uh, The great comedian Jerry Seinfeld, when uh, he was first starting as a comic, he made a goal that he would write one joke a day. That's it. Just one joke. Now, you might look at that and you say, well, what good's that going to be? Because Jerry Seinfeld needs to have a whole monologue. He needs to have a 60-hour or 60-minute comedy special. He needs to have tons of material, not just one joke. And so this is what he did when he was very early as a comic. He got a big calendar. He put it up with these big days. And every day that he wrote one successful joke, he would take a marker and he would mark off whatever day that was. And his goal was to string together multiple jokes over a period of time to where eventually he could have his own monologue. And to accomplish this, folks, he just did one successful joke each day. 
Folks, you've got to guard aggressively whatever that thing is by making it stupidly small, but saying, I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to do this. And if I fail once, I'll do it again. Because many people will tell you, habits, if you, do, uh, if you don't do it two days in a row, it's like habit suicide. You'll never do it. Don't beat yourself up. Things are going to happen. But make it small enough to where you do it and you guard it aggressively. And over time, you'll do it more and more, and you will have the steam to make it happen. It's just little by little, little by little, because a little eventually becomes a lot. The great Christian author and pastor, Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite quotes as I've been studying all of this is this. He says, courage, my heart. Go on little by little, for many littles will make a great whole. Folks, God wants you to be whole. He wants you to fulfill your dream. And it's not going to be because of one big thing. Uh, It's not going to be because of one big thing. Victory doesn't come because of one big thing. Victory comes because of small, consistent steps. So, what are you going to do this week? You're going to depend upon God daily. You're going to make your goals stupidly small. And you're going to stay close to Him because when you stay close to God, You are too small to fail. Let's pray. Loving God, we want to learn to depend upon you. Each day, each moment of each day, to depend on you. And yet, God, it's one of the hardest things for us to do to be consistent with almost anything in our life. Many times we just wish, God, that you would come and you'd answer our prayer and you'd do it immediately so that the whole next year or the next season of our life or the next five years, we just wouldn't have to worry about it. But we know, God, that if we did that, we'd drift away from you. We'd drift further and further away. And so the reality is the way that you change this is that you give us power little by little. So God, would you help us to trust in doing the small things consistently rather than the big, gigantic victory? In fact, right now, maybe you have a goal in your life that you've been wanting to go after, but you're like, I just don't know if I can do it. Make it stupidly small. Maybe for some of you, your goal is to get out of debt and you've just been in debt year after year after year, and you make these gigantic things, make it small. Maybe for others of you, there's a relationship that is fractured, that is torn, and you just keep creating more issues, and maybe you could make a little step today. Some of you, maybe your goal is to get healthier, you want to draw closer to God. But whatever it is, you're tempted about this time every year to stop doing it because you've made it so big and you're not going to finish it. And so 
Maybe today is the day where you say, I'm going to do it small and I'm going to trust God little by little. And he'll work in my life little by little. And so right now, if you have something in your life, but you're tempted to give up on it right now for it not to happen because you don't think. But today is the day that you're like, I need your help, God. I need your courage to do that. I'm going to ask you a bold thing to do with every eye closed. You just raise your hand. Yep, there's something, Chris, in my life that I want to change. Something that I want to be different. Let me pray for you. God, I pray for each hand that is lifted up. These people want to change. They want to do a small thing, God, consistently. I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would give them the power little by little to make it happen. That they would depend upon you daily to know that you are the one who can do the small things and over time it can be great. Little by little, God, would you change their lives. Help them to know, God, that as they turn to you and as they walk with you, that they will be too small to ever fail. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hand down. Now, maybe there are some of you right now that the reality is you've been trying to do everything in your own life. You've been trying to do big stuff your whole life big decisions, big things. And the reality is it hasn't been working out very well. You keep trying to do big stuff all the time and it's just not working. And maybe the biggest thing you could do is be small enough to humble yourself to say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I can't do life on my own. I'm tired. I'm weary. I need you, God, to come in my life and help me through that. And for some of you, What that decision is today is to say, I want God in my life. I want Jesus in my life. I want his love. I want his grace. I want his forgiveness. I want a fresh start. I want to start new, God. And if that's you, then I want to invite you in a prayer. But it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself. But it's one that we pray together. That It's in the small prayers that God does big things when we believe. And so I'm going to invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me if you feel comfortable doing so. And just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.